and welcome to another episode of the Project Red podcast. I'm here today with my business partner, co-host and friend, Brian Goal. Brian, how are you today, mate? Greetings, brother. I'm fantastic. Thank you so much. <clears throat> it's nice and early in the morning for me here, and uh, I've had my dose of sunlight. I'm taking my dose of coffee, and after this, I will be taking my dose of breakfast, so all good. Fantastic. I've, I've had a few doses of coffee today myself. It was um, a slightly disrupted night, but yeah, I'm, a, I'm feeling good, though. <laughs> great news, great news. Well, today we have a first. Um, we're really pleased to welcome our first CrossFit athlete, Mickey Smith from Ireland. Mickey, following a background in Gaelic football, he moved into CrossFit in 2015 and he's been competing ever since and has rapidly risen through the ranks by winning and podium at various, various competitions around Ireland, UK and Europe. He's a multiple sanctional athlete and in 2018, his hard work started showing on the bigger competition scene. He finished 21st fittest in Europe at the 28 CrossFit Open. And then in 2019, he was the winner of the Turf Games Fittest in the City and also winner of the Turf Games Summer Festival 2019. He was the national Irish champion that year. And the pinnacle of 2015 was really competing at the CrossFit Games where he finished 26th fittest man on earth. In his spare time, he runs his own gym in Northern Ireland, which is popular among, among functional fitness athletes. And uh, I'm not sure what else he can fit in his free time with all that accolades. But Mickey, welcome. And uh, how are you today? Thanks very much, James. Very good, yes. Just uh, coming up to the afternoon here now. So uh, just settling my last coffee of the day for this wee chat with you boys. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, have you been training today? Uh, today was a rest day for me. So it was just a wee light bike session for 60 minutes. Nothing intense or too tough. Ah, good stuff. That's not very common for CrossFit athletes having rest days, really. But do you find like, you know, rest and recuperation is quite an important part of your schedule? Well, yeah, well, I sort of found out the hard way with that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Nowadays, I'm very struck with the rest days on a Thursday and a Sunday. But back when I first started, it would have been every day of the week just doing as much as I could. But find out that doesn't exactly work too well. <laughs> <laughs> that's it and so how, how long did it take you to, to make that realization because again i think we've all been there in our early 20s training six or seven days a week and you know at what point did it click right recovery is actually a pretty important you know strategy as well yeah it probably it's easy to measure the likes of that in crossfit because what what happens really is you're doing workouts every single day of the week and then you think by maybe training on your rest days thursdays and sundays you're sort of getting ahead of other people which maybe works for the first little while, but it comes back around to Monday again. You're hitting wads with a couple of your competitive athletes that you train with, and then you're sort of seeing how you're you're slowly but surely getting beat up, and your performance is dropping overall. So it's better to have low intensity days, recovery days, and high intensity days, so you can really get the most mm. out of them. You know. Yeah, make, makes perfect sense. I mean, I definitely don't train as intensely as you, but I definitely value my recovery days. And you, you can find your body definitely comes back more refreshed, and you actually grow a little bit. I find on those days as well, um, and you know, refreshes the mind and body, ready to hit it hard the next day. Really. Yeah, mentally too. Yeah, it's not even just the body, as you say. It's mm. the mental aspect. So you you joined the sort of the CrossFit scene in 2015. You know what brought you to CrossFit, and was there a particular idol that maybe inspired you to come into the sports? Yeah, um, I came across it while at university down in Belfast. I was uh, studying to become a civil engineer at the time, and 
I was sort of just playing Gaelic football and doing a little bit of like lifting weights and bodybuilding stuff in my own time. Um, but I came across a YouTube video of the CrossFit Games 2014 highlight reel. And uh, it was just Rich Froning and then boys turn it up, doing things that I never even heard of before, walking on their hands, ring muscle ups, heavy barbells. And I just thought, Flip, that's like a real showing of athleticism and like what you can mm. actually do with your fitness. And it was something I was always interested in because in team sports, sometimes you don't get to show what you're capable of doing. Um, so I thought, I'll, I'll search this up and see where where's doing this type of thing in Belfast. And firstly, I thought possibly nowhere, you know, I didn't even think it was a thing over here. But um, lo and behold, there was a CrossFit gym down in Belfast established in 2008. So it was around a good while. Um, and I just dropped down there one day and got my eyes opened. Um, a, a lady coach at the time, um, Helen Gillespie, she's um, a level two coach and a CrossFit judge coach for competitions like regionals back in the day took me through three one-on-one PT sessions where she kicked me ass. Um, I could barely overhead squat with an empty barbell at this point. So, yeah, I got a shrewd awakening. <laughs> That's amazing. And, um, I mean, in the early days, did, did, did people see your potential? I mean, obviously, you've risen through the ranks quite dramatically in such a short space of time. But, like, in your first few sessions, did people say, you know, you've got a long-term future in this? Uh, it was strange because... Well, you start off by, you know, you had a choice of doing a three, four week beginner camp or this three uh, PT sessions. And of course, typical me, I wanted to just get into the classes as quick as I could. So I did the PT sessions yeah. and paid a bit more. And then uh, it was sort of just that competitive atmosphere that got me a wee bit hooked on it. You know, you were doing basic strength elements um, at the start of your class, then doing a Mac con and um, was my first time sort of doing these. So I was naturally a wee bit strong, but lacked a lot of the, the skill in the Olympic lifts, gymnastics, um, and the overhead stuff. And I had a general base of fitness, but not like crazy fitness. So what got me hooked was there was a small corner at the side of the gym where there was a few of you could tell there were the better sort of athletes who were doing their own training. And I asked, um, it was only about two, three weeks into me doing the classes. I asked, so how do you get over there to train with envoys? And he goes, oh, no, you're no, you're nowhere near that yet. You know, you have to prove yourself. So, of course, I just started doing my own stuff outside the classes in um, another gym to try and get myself better. And then once I started lifting heavier and catching up with them guys, I get in with the, the cool kids to try and uh, compete and stuff. So, yeah, that's... So I got into it. That's um that's a great story. And you know, CrossFit is it's 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 something else, you know. Like when you go to a CrossFit gym, like you say, it's it's completely different to what I think most people are used to, especially like I mean, I think we all came from a, a commercial gym, a conventional gym background where you just go and do your bench press and your your rows and your abs or whatever. But you know, for I'm just thinking like a lot of our listeners might not know what CrossFit is, and I think it'll help moving forward through this podcast. What do you tell people if they ask you, like, what is CrossFit? Yeah, basically, it's a mixture of so many different elements of fitness. Uh, the best way I like to break it down is it's learning how to move your body really well and to perform functional movements really well. For example, uh, you can't just go ahead and start 
kicking up onto your hands, walking on your hands, doing these handstand push-ups. There's a progressive pathway to get there. So people in the early days, you say, oh, CrossFit will get you injured. But I, I definitely don't see that as the case. If you're coached properly, you're actually learning a skill from the basics of being able to do a push-up then being able to maybe walk into a wall and hold your body weight upside down and getting used to that and then developing the skill of balance and then being able to hold your body weight on one arm and then eventually being able to put them together to be able to walk in your hands. And it's just that constant progressive pathway of different skills and movements. Same as the snatch, you know, you're not going to start snatching heavy weights until you can overhead squat with a stick. Once you can prove that you have that mobility or, or if you don't have that mobility, the coach is there to try and show you this is how you're going to get the mobility. You might need stability work. And then all of a sudden, then you can start to develop your strength in these movements. So overall, it's making you a better athlete as such. And I, I sort of use athlete broadly because I, I consider all my members in the gym, even though they're general population, but they're all athletes to me that I'm trying to develop their performance in functional movement so mm. it's not being able to develop those skills as well as that then you're developing your fitness as well your cardiovascular in both long duration and uh, high intensity shorter stuff so if they do have sports outside of crossfit and um, there is benefits then of going to, uh, into their sports after that you know mm. i noticed even yeah. gaelic football in general i even noticed my fitness and was improved in it just by doing the crossfit you know Mm, and that's um that's a, that's a massive. You've hit on so many important points there, you know. And and the I, I just want to kind of reiterate them for the listeners that the the first point is like CrossFit's amazing. It's phenomenal. It's going to get you fit. It's going to get you strong. If you have a body that's in pain, it's probably going to help you solve that pain. But the big the big point here is you need great coaches because if you go to a CrossFit box and there's now now there's thousands of them. If you go to a box where someone doesn't really care, they're not watching you, they're tired, they're, they're not passionate, and then you know there's a handstand walk or a, you name it, some some you know kipping pull up something, and you haven't been trained properly and you haven't been conditioned properly, that's when you get injured. So you have to be patient and you have to you have to take baby steps, man. It sucks because we all want to you know get to the destination as quick as we can, but you know if you don't like everything in life if you don't learn about it properly and practice practice the small boring things properly to get you there then you know you're, you're going to get in trouble mm -hmm. and the the other important point is that you mentioned that that functional fitness that functional training so like you know if you if you watch a youtube video of, of a crossfit wad it, it it can look like chaos because there's people running up and down lifting things throwing things mm -hmm. carrying things but the carryover into real life is what really stood out for me is that, you know, once you've practiced picking up those, you know, those, those heavy balls or whatever they are yeah. in, in, the, in the gym, then suddenly you realize, man, when you pick up your luggage on a holiday, you're like, shit, like I feel way stronger just picking up this bag and putting it into the overhead storage because I'm, you know, throwing the ball up and down on the wall, you know, week in and week out. And those are the real, real results for, you know, everyday people as well as athletes. I think you made some good points there. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Another great thing about CrossFit is that it is, you know, inclusive. As you said, you look at all your members of your gyms as athletes and they're treated as such. Everyone can have their structured plans. You know, as you said, these the small steps that you make towards doing an overhead press or doing, you know, handstand walks, everyone can be on that journey at some stage and be, be a part of that sort of team environment, pushing each other forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that to get to the elite, there seems to be a specific body type. And you look at the, the you, know, you mentioned Rich Froning, the Matt Frazier's, um, most of the top athletes, they do seem to be under five foot nine um, and relatively short limbs. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're, I think you're six foot three. Is that right? I'm about six foot one or maybe six foot one. Right. OK. Still on the big side <laughs> for this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so how do you how do you, you know, how do you find that as an athlete who is, you know, I guess, although you're genetically gifted for the especially for the powerlifting side of things you know I, I guess you are moving the weight further and every rep you're doing you're moving it an extra few inches so that's that's you know how do you compromise for that or how do you train for that to compete against you know other athletes who are more kind of compressed in stature yeah that's that's something that's um definitely becoming more and more apparent um in the early days it wasn't uh, just as much because it was a young sport and, you know, the, the sport was growing as well as the competitive side of things. But now, because it's becoming so, the athletes at that top end are so elite, you're starting to realize that there's the only way to complete these workouts any faster is that shorter range of motion, motion and the faster turnover rates of rate of contraction of each rep. So, yes, the, the, the shorter guys would have benefits to, you know, 80% of the movements, you know, I have a couple of things to my armory, such as rowing. Whenever there's a rowing wad, the longer levers are going to help you tick over the calories faster. Wall balls are that a little bit easier. And then the, the heavier, because I'm a taller guy, slightly heavier, the heavier loads are usually a wee bit easier for the heavier guys to lift. Mm. So there is slight benefits, but the majority of it does go to the shorter athletes. Where that sort of comes, it changes ever so slightly is at the CrossFit Games because there's a lot of running involved, swimming, and then those sort of more broader athletic things outside of the gym come into play. So I think that's why I did fairly okay whenever I got to the Games because I was able to use my running to my advantage, use my climbing ropes to my advantage, you know? Yeah, absolutely. understand that. I was actually going to come on to swimming because I always... When I'm watching the CrossFit Games, that's always an event that interests me because you see these absolutely incredible athletes struggling. And it's uh, not that it's a pleasure to see, but um, they normally make everything look so easy when they're, you know, with a barbell. But swimming is definitely something that, you know, people seem to struggle with. You know, how is your, how is your swimming and what have you done to, to you know, to refine that? Yeah, it's, it's a funny one. Like I would be by no means be a great swimmer. Um, but I could, I have, whenever I find out it was going to the Games, I sort of, sign myself up to the triathlon club in the local mm. uh, community to try and get good but of course i was put into the beginners lane straight away which was was a laugh but you can tell at the crossfit games usually the australians do so well in the swimming mm. because they're just brought up with it you know um, yeah. and then a couple of them elite level college swimmers in america are great so it is a great great uh, bit of army to have i think if i had a kid I'd be putting them into swimming fairly early on to get them good at it, you know. Such a good set of lungs from swimming as well. They give you great cardiovascular fitness for everything, really, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. 
Awesome. So you know, we've talked a lot about training and again, like you're doing, you're doing a huge amount of volume, no doubt, but you know, fueling is no doubt a big, big topic among CrossFit athletes. Um, you see strategies like the rich phonies with necking chocolate milk to <laughs> pizzas consumed the night after games and things, you know, what is your train? You know, I guess, what is your kind of off competition strategy and also in competition strategy for fueling? Yeah. Diet stuff? I've never really been great now when it comes to this stuff, but, uh, yeah, you will see videos like that of the top guys. And that was more so back in like 2014, 15, where they were just eating whatever they want around competition times. That that probably doesn't happen just as much now. They would be a bit more refined. They're all really dialing into their nutrition for that extra one to two percent performance-wise. Um, for me, it's just um because I'm running the gym and personal training as uh, on the side as well as training, it's just remembering to actually eat and get enough food in. So a lot of the times, well, I'm very lucky at the moment we have um, Slim's Healthy Kitchen, a place in Belfast that's sending me down meals for during the day. So that's really handy just for sticking into the microwave. But it's it's mostly carbohydrates based. Um, all performance sports, you need high carb diet to really make sure the muscles are getting enough glycogen and whatnot. And then obviously your proteins and fats for recoveries. So it's pretty okay. It wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't count my calories as such, but I definitely make sure I'm eating enough. That's, um, that's an interesting subject for sure, because, you know, I did, I did CrossFit for a short time when I lived in London, you know, there's a, there's a big old backstory behind me. I was, you know, I had, I was a vegetarian for a long time and it totally ruined my body. It ruined my joints. I lost muscle mass. I lost strength. Um, and then I changed my diet onto, you know, first I went like the high fat diet, the keto diet. And then eventually I ended up hundred percent carnivore. So just eating meat, just eating beef day in and day out. And my body healed. Like I can't describe the joint pain disappeared. The muscle mass started coming back. The body fat started shrinking. And that's when I started CrossFit. And I noticed, I mean, Instantly, I noticed I was, you know, I was bottom of the class, almost every class because, you know, I could just couldn't finish the wads because, you know, I was so weak. I was coming from such a weak background and having no real fitness. Um, and then I quickly got, you know, it, it quickly built my strength back. But I found that with the, you know, outside of the strength training, which I was fine in, the, the more intense stuff, I was just gassing out within minutes of the workout because I had no carbs running through my blood. I had no sugar in my blood. Um, so that's when I was like, shit, okay. You know, if I want to take CrossFit seriously, I need to carb up. So I started, I started doing carb ups on the days when I was going to go to CrossFit. Um, and that really, really helped. Like you say, just having that glucose in your blood and in your muscles makes a massive difference for the high intensity stuff. But what I did notice is that the top athletes, you know, not, the top finishers in my, in my wads, were like really out of shape man they had like they had a lot of body fat they had almost no muscle tone it was like if you saw them in the street you'd be like jesus you should go to gym <laughs> but then when you see them in the box like they were like finishing like you know third and fourth in all the wads mm -hmm. and i think it, the body like they had the fitness but the body shape there which i was you know you know it's quite important to me it was i think it was because of that like after a while, they were necking the beers and going out for pizzas and starting the day with, yeah, just like heavy carb loading because they were in the gym five or six times a week. But what I think in my experience, in my opinion, what was happening there is they were getting the fuel to fuel the high intensity workouts. But I think the way they were getting the carbs and their sources of their carbs 
was contributing to a lot of fat storage. So that's, you know, that's something I noticed in like in the amateur CrossFit athletes for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good point. Uh, and I think when, when people are training just in the evening as well, you're eating carbs all day, you're eating carbs after, you're eating carbs in non-training days. I think for those individuals that are probably sedentary outside the times they go to the box, that's, that's where you start compromising your overall health, I would say, and you're eating carbs, which your body doesn't necessarily need um, and, unless you're massively active every day. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, I think it's a difference between people who are maybe at the elite ends training intensely every day and need that recovery, but they're eating smart carbohydrates as well, not just empty kind of calories, carbohydrates. Um, but obviously Brian and I, you know, we're both pretty focused on our diets and we try and eat as clean as we can, um, to maintain our overall health and obviously not just for performance, but for longevity as well. So, um, we kind of employ strategies around calorie restriction some days, and then some days we go higher calories we carb backload we targeted carbs around training and i think as you get older you you, may, you probably don't understand this yet but as you get older it becomes more important to selectively choose when you when you have those carbs and things otherwise it does start catching up with you mm-hmm. yeah you'd have to really dial it in. <laughs> i always used to think like uh, when i you know i've got like this one memory of this guy great guy lovely guy um was an absolute savage he was in the box like probably five days a week like sweating his bollocks off but like super overweight and i used to think like fuck if i could just kind of like say to him hey man let's you know let's try your let's try to tweak your diet a little bit to burn some body fat but um Mm -hmm. yeah it's just you know it's not a big deal for a lot of people yeah it's like the guys who are really like if once you started training like maybe twice a day that's where you really know that you know you're if you're burning maybe two thousand calories a day just by training you have to replace them to start with. Plus, have your your baseline calories just to maintain your body weight. So, them guys are maybe eating what I'm probably eating, but maybe doing one workout a day or one hour's training a day. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you talk about training twice a day, and that's that's going to take a toll on your body. And we've touched on you know the fueling strategies, but you know recovery is also a massive you know strategy now. People are employing to make sure they they you know bedding in the benefits of their training you know what is your recovery strategy and is there anything that you think particularly stands out yeah like i've tried a lot of stuff and i've been sent a lot of things down through the past uh, two years or so and because i'm sort of getting a wee bit older as well you really sort of feel the aches and pains from training a lot more but um probably the first thing that i started using was the the concept do you know the the muscle stimulus machine so that was probably the first thing I started using along with uh, doing raw mod, but it's the concept is one of them things that would forget it some days, forget to put it on and use it, but it definitely had a certain benefit to re- reduce DOMS in the legs. I've tried the likes of ice baths and uh, recovery rooms like that, but again, it's one of those things you might do it a week at a time and then forget. And as well with sports massage as well, um, use guys from working with use for that's probably back since February, March time, I would say now. Mm. The red light, the red light therapy was something that was very handy to have because it's there in the house. Whenever you go in to do your rombod, you're getting your mobility in, but the red lights there as well. And you definitely do notice increases in energy levels. Um, especially after my first session, I get into a little routine of actually using it before going into my second session. And you had that wee bit more energy in the afternoon again compared to maybe not using it 
you're going to the gym, you really have to, you're waking yourself up just by drinking as much caffeine as you can or no-go, where, you know, yeah. you have that wee bit of natural energy from it, I suppose you could say. Um, any of you guys notice that or? Yeah, definitely. 100%. And that's why Brian and I got you know, started the company is because we shared about the benefits, we read the research papers, and that's why we, we started, you know, Red Light Rising was to, you know, having experienced it ourselves, we're like, God, this is amazing. We've got to bring it to, to the UK because I guess the UK is a little bit behind the States in terms of, you know, people using kind of like these recovery protocols. Um, but, you know, you're seeing more and more, you know, opportunities to work with heart, your top athletes are more open to, you know, using things like this, using things like red light or cryotherapy and other modalities to, to enhance their recovery because they know how important it is. Mm. And it, it's funny that you mentioned about things like, you know, using ice baths. And again, I'm a big fan of cold therapy, but you're right. It's uh, you got to get the bath, the right temperature, get some buckets of ice in there, get ready, get in there, get yourself out, get it dry. It's, it's, it's not, you know, it, it takes time and it's right. It's a certain mental kind of, you know, appetite to get in there and get it done. And it's not mm. something you're going to get around to every day, especially running your own business as well. So, you know, anything that's easy and kind of non-invasive, you can multitask and do, you know, stack your hacks. We like saying, you know, do your stretching, do your, you know, foam rolling while you're using the red light or using, you know, using your complex and your legs and stuff, you know, all, all these things are going to help you and make your time more efficient. Mm. Definitely. That's, um, that, that's, that's a super important point there, you know, so like guys, like, I think we're like a, a unique kind of demographic because Mickey's obviously an athlete that's super, super focused on his health and performance and recovery. And James and I, you know, while we're not athletes, we're, we're super, super dedicated to it. So I, I tend to like build my day around all these healthy habits that I can do. But for the, the average person who's a nine to five, got a family, he's, they're just struggling to get in a couple of gym sessions a week. Um, you know, that's, that's a, it's a real tough ask to say, okay, you need three ice baths a week. You need to, you know, do your red light therapy every morning. You need to put your compression suits on, you know, it's just like, it's too much, you know? Yeah. So like James was saying, like, it's, it's, it's really important to, I think whenever I kind of explain some of these things to people, I always say like, first, I want to explain to you why we're doing this, why we're doing red light, why we're blue blocking, why we're doing cold therapy, why, why are we fasting so that you understand the science. Then I'll say, okay, and this is how we can start to fit it into our life. Because I think if you say to someone like, oh, you should really use red light therapy. It's great for you. They're like, what? They look at it. They haven't seen it on TV. They're like, this looks crazy. It's just light. And they forget about it, you know, but mm -hmm. it's definitely that, that ease of using it. Um, yeah, I think that was my point with that. <laughs> yeah, it's something like I did honestly didn't know much about it at all until I came across it with you guys. And there's a guy I went to, well, I didn't go to university with. He actually trained in Re, uh, Reebok CrossFit Northern Ireland, Ed Caddy. And he's, he's a medical doctor now, but he studies a lot of these recovery things. He's big into them. And as soon as he seen me using it, he mashed me and says, that's a great job there that you have. You know, he was all into it. He's asking me how, how it's going, you know, and this is sort of a, a really like focused medical guy who's sort of big into his recovery, picking up on it and has done a bit of research on it himself. So that was sort of a bit of reassurance to me, somebody I know saying, you know, Look, uh, stick at that. That's a good job. Awesome. Yeah. It always helps getting a medical expert to reinforce what someone else has said to you. Because uh, I guess, you know, when I reached out to you and said, do you fancy giving Relic Therapy a go for your recovery and performance? I guess you could, you could have thought, you know, 
sounds a bit crazy, but you know, yeah. as you said, anything for that one or two percent gain, and I think with relic therapy you can get more. But yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, I'd actually like to speak to your 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 MD friend there, Catty, and see what his uh, his background is. And yeah, you know, I'm sure there's a, a few <laughs> a few interesting conversations to be had. Oh, definitely, he loves mm. it. He's he's a big man <laughs> for it. So yeah, I'd pass on his details. No bother. Brilliant. Um, so like 2019 was obviously a big year for you. I mean. 26th fittest man on earth that's that's pretty pretty incredible and you know something that I, I assume in fact many top crossfitters can only aspire to you know that experience at the 2019 games you know what, what did you take away from that what, what were your highlights and what were your learning lessons yeah like just getting there to begin with something obviously um it just became a big focus for me probably from about 2017 onwards you know, back whenever I started out, everyone's talked about it just being a, a bit of a pipe dream, getting to the CrossFit Games or even getting to regionals back then, seeing anyone from Ireland and UK were sort of on the bubble. Um, and it was mostly dominated by Nordics and the Eastern Europeans were so good at it. But uh, yeah, I was pushing for about a year and a half after that and uh, finishing one spot out from regionals in the uh, 2018 season was, I came 21st, you needed to be top 20. And that was sort of the wake up call. Okay, if I just push a little bit harder this year, I might actually make it to regionals and just, you know, go and enjoy myself and be able to call myself a regionals athlete. But then the, the format changed slightly and they brought on the national champs, which was if you came first in your country, you would make it to the games. So, that became uh, the goal then, and the Ireland field has been becoming more and more stacked, as well as the UK. As you've seen, some UK athletes have made it to the games this year, um, and last year it was just it hit at the right time for me. So the main focus really was get to the games and go and enjoy myself and enjoy the experience. But I had such a good coach at the time, Neil Laverty, and he he said, with your sort of athletic background you have a really chance, a good chance to do really well here and make a name for yourself. So literally the sessions went up to two hours a day, twice a day, and we built up a huge, huge base of fitness. So the events just played re out really well for me. There was a lot of like high capacity workouts. There was very few that were, you know, built for the, the smaller guy or short and fast until obviously the very last workout that uh, was the one that put me out. But uh, yeah, like I got it further than 80% of the Europeans apart from the top guys who were there, you know. Um, and then off, obviously off the back of that season, from, from building up so much to that, when I picked and did well at the games, the open season came back in very quickly in October instead of February. So mentally I just wasn't, able to go there again in the open to get back so i've basically had a full year right now from um preparing for the crossfit games but i've done a couple of sanctional events in the meantime but going into now the 20 it's going to be the 2021 season um that's going to be the focus to get back there again awesome. brilliant i think that's, that's really amazing sorry brian sorry james carry on <laughs> traffic jam I, I wanted to ask you um i know james has got some questions lined up but you mentioned that you know you had a, a really great coach uh what kind of coaches do you surround yourself with like do you have a little team of you know therapists coaches nutritionists or are you kind of uh, a self-made man yeah well uh, from 
taking the competitive side uh, fairly serious. I've had a coach, Neil Laverty. Um, he'd be the owner of CrossFit 8020. It's about a 30-minute drive down the road from where I live. Um, he had a background of getting a lot of top Irish athletes to regionals, excuse me, and uh, he, he managed to get uh, bring these athletes on and get the most out of their athletic abilities. And when I came on board with him, like I was by no means his, his best athlete. I was, you know, fairly down the ranks. And with him, working with him, I, he, he built me right up and just gave me all the knowledge and experience I needed to do well with programming. Um, so, but the only thing was is programming is tough. You know, yeah, your body has to be willing to take it. And, you know, he does try his best to get the most out of every athlete. Um, I used to go down and do the actual open workouts with him but it would be my second attempt I'd be doing with him. And he used to get that 5% extra by just pushing you to a limit that you couldn't really go to on your own. So that was a big thing for me. And then, you know, just having that confidence in him as a coach and his, his level of experience to bring me on. Now, recently over the past year, I've just had, after coming off the back of that CrossFit game season, I had a shoulder injury and a couple of other wee niggles. So, Coming to where I am at 28, I have to now train smarter and now focus on avoiding injury rather than trying to come back from injuries. So I've now actually, um, I've been with Neil for over five years and decided to now just change pathways slightly. And I'm with a new coach, um, a Canadian lady called Michelle Latondra. She is uh, one of the, she's been to the games herself a couple of times, 2013 right through to 16, I think. And her approach is a lot more lower volume training and mm. focusing on keeping injury free and just focusing on specific weaknesses. So weaknesses of mine is mm. that um, burpees and then sort of smaller guy uh, movements. So we're spending a lot of time on that and less time on my strength, which probably is my stronger aspect. Um, in terms of other people I surround myself with, just having good training partners, like I train with Emma McQuaid, who's the 19th fittest woman in the world after this year. She only lives uh, 30 minutes up the road from me. She's a great training partner. And then my business partner, he's a little bodyweight ninja. Um, really, really good athlete, very good at his gymnastics, just lacks the um, heavy barbell stuff. But if there's a workout um, that I'm not great at, he's going to be good at and he's going to kick my ass. So um, that's pretty good. And then uh, just uh, I have a massage therapist as well I go to once a week. So they're really my main team I'd be around most of the time. That's awesome. That's awesome. And um, what about your diet? You say that you've got a, you said Slim's Healthy Kitchen. Yeah. Is that targeted for you or is it just kind of like a... It, it, they, they, they supply to every uh, a lot of people, you know, but they're sort of sponsoring me at the minute and supplying meals to me. So it's great it helps me that way that I'm not running out buying meals um, mm. they even look after breakfast they supply overnight oats and stuff like that so mm. it's great um, whenever I'm in the gym early morning for coaching at 6am you know pop one of them out of the fridge and you're good to get started you know that's awesome yeah, and do so you worry about your well macros around that as well do you, or, or are you just happy to take what they give you or are they designed with your workload and your training load in mind yeah, uh, I go off like a general rule of thumb. Like, um, so during the day, 
um, for me in particular, I can't really train properly with like any sort of spicy foods. So I'd sort of, I do love spicy stuff. So, but I leave all that to the evening time. It just sort of, I don't know whether it's the acids or whatever in them, uh, in your stomach sort of don't let me perf- perform any high intensity stuff. So I eat like a lot of plain foods in the morning, like your oats, porridge oats, white rice, um, chicken, broccoli, things like that. Um, with less spices in it and leave all the good stuff to the evenings, you know. I think that's your Celtic background because I'm from Wales and I don't do well with spicy food either. So yeah, I, you know, maybe once every few weeks I'll have a curry with my wife because she likes, you know, getting a takeout occasionally. And um, yeah, yeah it just it just doesn't sit well. So yeah, I, even the next day I wake up, I'm just a little bit puffy, a little bit like oh, I just don't feel 100. So, you know, it's so interesting you guys bring that up because. Um, I forget where I was reading or listening or whatever. Like, you know, there's like, I don't know if you've noticed the pattern. So if you, if you look around the equator, all the countries that run near the equator, they all have spicy cuisine, right? You know, you've got your India, Sri Lanka, Asia, Latin America. They all use the chili and the spices. And they say there's an evolutionary reason for that because, you know, the, there was in those hot countries closer to the equator, there tends to be more bacteria and more parasites. So they used to add the chili and all that to their food so that it would go into their stomachs and hopefully kill the bacteria and the parasites. But when you get further away from the equator, like you guys are obviously from, um, uh, you know, the UK and Ireland, that, that kind of heritage. My heritage is Germany. So it's exactly the same thing. Like we, we, we've grown up in these cold climates. There's way less bacteria and um, parasites. So therefore, we never, ever developed the, the spicy cuisine. And I think that's why, you know, the three of us here, I'm like, fuck, I don't want chili. Are you crazy? I can't taste the food. You know, I think, I think that's what's happening. I think a black pepper is strong enough for me. I'm like, that's done. Right, yeah. there we go. A little, exactly. little bit of flavoring and that, good to go. Yeah, I definitely see the point in that. No, that's a good point. Mm. So, Mickey, you, you've also got your own business. You're running your, your gym on top of all your training load as well. So have you always had an entrepreneurial background as well? Is that something you always want to do is run your own business and kind of control you know, your own destiny at the same time? Yeah, it, it was it was really, to be honest, it was potluck, um, me getting into uh, running and owning my own gym. I was working away as a, a civil engineer at the time um, down in Belfast and just doing CrossFit on the side. It was sort of at that time where I was working full time as an engineer, I was sort of getting to the top end of the Irish scene in terms of competitions, maybe the top five or so, but not breaking any barriers. But um, obviously still had in my head wanted to do well in CrossFit. But then um, uh, a guy I grew up playing Gaelic football with was running like a small boot camp style gym back home in Uri. Uh, where I'm from so I was traveling home there and training with him he wanted to get into the CrossFit stuff and was asking me about it and he one day we were doing after a few sessions he says you wouldn't do a CrossFit style workout with my boot campers so we did that and they loved it and he said would you nearly run a CrossFit style boot camp and it's a bit of a gray area you can't actually use the word CrossFit whenever you're unless you're an affiliated gym so I sort of talked them through the functional movements as such and the style of Macons that we, we were doing. And after starting a wee boot camp a month later, it grew into 30 people. He had 30 people, I had 30 people, and we were just renting space out of another guy's gym. And he, he said, look, uh, we're having to pay X amount of pounds here for this, for this uh, renting this space. We could have our own place. 
and I was like, oh, I don't know, like I'm engineering at the minute. I'm, I have too much on my plate. But then he, uh, he once he sort of, we had the idea of it, it was sort of sitting in my head and he goes, look, I'm going to go on ahead and do it without you if you don't want to. And I goes, ah, frig, I can't let you do that now. So I says, <laughs> amen, amen. So we, we, we took a loan out between us and we, we opened up, uh, bought all the gym equipment that we needed to, for starting out. And within a year, we needed another loan to grow it further. And at this time, I was sort of still engineering and doing the classes morning and evenings. But then I took a career break and said, look, I'm going to go into this uh, full time and maybe do a few PTs to keep me ticking over as well. Um, had all my qualifications at this point and decided um, to do that. And that opened up a lot more time then for training, which was good. And then after year two, we then had double in size of the actual business unit. So we had one small 2000 square foot unit and then we grew to 4000 square foot. And ever since since that, it's just kept growing and getting bigger. So, yeah, I wouldn't look back now, or I wouldn't go back to working for somebody else. This is very. What's the name of your gym? Uh, EST Twenty Eight. So it's established Twenty Eight. Oh, cool. Yeah, you, yeah, you could check that out and on Instagram. There should come up. It's amazing what a fear of missing out can do for you. That's obviously motivated you to leave, you know, or to, to risk a stable career to pursue a more passionate, you know, passionate path. Uh, it's amazing how these things work out. Yeah, like, I mean, that's, it is. It's very lucky. It feels far more natural to me. Like engineering was great, a good, stable job, but a lot of stress involved. And I mm. personally, I wouldn't say I was the best engineer ever. So, you know, I think I'm doing a lot better at actual teaching people how to move well and keep health, healthy and fit so you obviously had a, like you obviously had a desk job for you know a number of years i guess doing your engineering career um that obviously that's going to naturally compromise your hip mobility your posture everything you're doing did you have any hacks during the day to keep yourself mobile and kind of moving while being stuck at the desk for 10 hours a day yeah well i, I, I actually was sneaking out during my lunch break to try and do uh a 30 minute Maccon down in the, uh, down in the gym. So I was pushing the boat out in terms of, t- uh, in terms of lunch breaks, taking nearly an hour, an hour 15, which did get caught out somewhere down the line. So, um, yeah, I, I, it was tough sitting all day, but you know, these things you have to do. So I've, uh, I've invested in a standing desk for my home office. So I, I had a desk based job in the city, um, 20 years pretty much and so yeah as soon as we're now obviously in the current situation working from home mm-hmm. um i've got a standing desk that i can convert into a sitting desk so again the opportunity to sit stands just mix it up and that's like been a big game changer for me to be on my feet just moving around just keep that blood circulating yeah. um and my hips have never felt better like I, I used to play a bit of rugby and constantly have hamstring problems constantly getting sciatic nerve problems and it was all from sitting down and getting like tight hip flexors tight glutes mm-hmm. and just not really having enough time or all the focus really to do that mobility work um and again it, it probably compromised my, my my top speed my agility my ability to, ability to move weights around and even just sleeping i was in a bit of discomfort with my lower back and again it's just all from sitting and it's, it is it is uh, you know a lot of people are in that situation but it's, it's good to you know i think a lot of people can learn that you can fit in a workout not necessarily a you know a, a wad of the day or it's a metcon but definitely get out and get moving as much as you can you know regardless mm. of the desk job you have mm. absolutely it's so beneficial like this you know this message that we're talking about like you've got to keep moving you know because i know like pff, 
you know, 95% of, of our listeners and people listening to this, like we all kind of have day jobs. I mean, office jobs, you know, like James and I have office jobs, you know, I'm on the computer, you know, most of the day, every day, but I stand, I sit, I walk around, I lie on a hammock, I sit on the floor. I'm constantly moving, adjusting, changing my body, you know, and I think that's what, what people don't kind of appreciate that. If, you, if you're stuck in the same position all day, that's when you get problems, you know, whether you're standing all day or lying down all day or sitting all day, um, all of that's going to cause problems. But, you know, that movement aspect is very important and taking those movement breaks during that working day. Yeah, I, I find at the minute with personal training clients, if I have, you know, three or four of them a day, um, whenever they're doing their mobility, I'll nearly do a bit of mobility with them, you know, and it saves you maybe spending that one hour of your free time right before training you already have you know opened your hip flexors stretched out your mm -hmm. glutes opened your overhead positions so you're nearly ready mm -hmm. to start so it's definitely worth doing that throughout the day anytime you can even if it's only 10 minutes hmm. it's absolutely crucial so aside from doing two two hour workouts a day running your own business fueling all that as well what do you do to relax and switch off is there any passions outside crossfit they were able to to do just to have that mental space and kind of switch off yeah yeah well i've got a i've got a chocolate labrador and uh he's a big boy now he's two and a half years old so he has to get to stretch the legs plenty now as well so try and get him he's a big fan of the beach so we have a couple of local beaches not too far from here about half an hour drive even though it's coming into the winter now, um, I just got myself a new wetsuit there. The old one, he has scratched that many holes in it, so from jumping up on me. So now I try and get him out in the water as much as I can and get a wee bit of swimming and recovery in whenever I can as well. So, um, yeah, that's that's one of the main things. Um, besides that, there's not a whole pile to do here in Northern Ireland, to be honest. Um, obviously, last season i would have got to travel at least every couple of months for sanctional events and you know getting to see a bit that was a great thing about the sanctionals i got away to miami for Waterpalooza, which was an amazing event um traveled uh, to the uk i actually had the italian throwdown and uh the egyptian throwdown lined up for sanctional events but then obviously with covid19 they have all been called off so it's been a fairly quiet year apart from uh, Waterpalooza back in January so I was nearly glad I went and done that um, back at the start of the year now um, at least I got something and of course I think you you podiumed at that event as well is that right yeah um, I was part of a team for that one so uh, the clothing brand Wit in London they put a team together myself uh, Josh Alchama uh, Samantha Briggs and another girl from Australia it was our first time ever competing or training together. So we, we had two days to gel before the competition. And luckily enough, we podiumed uh, next to Rich Froning and uh, CrossFit Mayhem. So it was a brilliant experience. Brilliant. Yeah, it would nearly entice me to do team events maybe in the future after the individual career ends. Mm. I think you've been quite fortunate with your kind of planning as well. Obviously with COVID-19 this year, taking this, you know, obviously in the intense 2019, you said you needed a bit of time off to, you know, just to recover physically and probably mentally more than anything. Mm -hmm. And this year, I guess it's been a good time to take a bit of a break in the backseat and the competition stand front. Um, but how have you found the year and, you know, has it disrupted your training and your routine or have you been able to kind of carry on BAU just, as you say, just training by yourself with your, you know, your training partners and stuff? Yeah. Um, well, I've, 
I've sort of made a transition there from the uh, but April May time to a new coach. So it's just working with that new coach has been a, a new experience and adapting to that type of training that she's been given to me. Um, a big weakness of mine is like double hip hinging movement. So if I have to like hinge like a deadlift and then hinge in a burpee, I, my posterior chain would be probably one of my weaker elements. So it was blowing up and it, it showed there in the 2020 open. So um, she's been giving me a lot of hip extensions, uh, GHD sit-ups and so much glute and hamstring work. And just by doing that without lifting heavy barbells, my endurance and my double hip hinge has become really good. So I've been working a lot in that. So I can't say I've trained as intensely in 2020, but I'm improving them sort of weaker areas. Um, a lot, a big thing that's happened this year as well is um, whenever lockdown happened here in the UK, we decided to move facility from one location to another into a new unit um, for EST 28. So that was a big, big project for myself and my business partner. So a lot of time and energies went into it, trying to make sure it's right. And then when things reopened again, it, it took off and it's been really busy and a lot of new members. So working along, it sort of became a priority for 2020 um, and, and just training just to be healthy more so. So the intensity is really going to pick now, up now in the next few months uh, leading into Christmas and January. So that's what I'm looking forward to now. Brilliant. And what's, what's your goal at the moment? What's the next competition that you're kind of targeting and structuring your training around? So, Basically, it's going to be the CrossFit Open in February time. Um, the CrossFit Games just finished up there. It was an online competition this season for the top 30 athletes. Um, and then, obviously, the top five are going to compete this weekend in the ranch in Aromas. So it'll be fun to watch that online and see how they get on. You know, it's not going to be the same Games experience that I experienced last year. But um, I'm sort of grateful now that I actually got to experience that in 2019. So I think, fingers crossed, if uh, if things go well for in 2021 and big competitions around the world are able to open back up again in all sports, fingers crossed we'll get to do a lot more stuff again and, you know, get on the competition floor. But the first goal would be to finish in the top 150 in Europe, which I'm hoping should be okay, to qualify for a regional spot because it's now going back to regionals format where only five people from each region are going to get to the games. So it's going to be interesting. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, we sh you should definitely stay in touch with us about that because we've got a couple of new products and a, and a couple of, you know, a couple of things that can really help you, you know, and, you know, like you say, if, if you're feeling, you know, a slight energy boost from the red light therapy, then we add the blue blockers, you know, you might be, you're slowly, what you're doing, you're slowly creeping up in that um in that beneficial recovery stuff you know because you know as i know you're aware like you need to recover hard man the harder you recover the harder you can work the next day yeah. so there's you know we'd, we'd we'd be happy to support you in in your journey moving forward 100 percent. absolutely thanks very much guys cheers well i've, I've covered a lot of ground sure i think uh, brian have you got any other questions you want to fire through yeah i'm just wondering mickey have you got um any what what's your recovery protocol right like right now are you using a lot of tech or are you using a lot of like you know thinking out of the box in terms of your recovery well uh, at the minute it's sort of coming into the winter months here now so um i'm probably going to start using that red light therapy more than once a day at the minute i was just using it after my first session in the morning times 
um, along with a bit of mobility. But um, because we're getting less and less sunlight, I suppose, here in Ireland as well, it might be more beneficial to um, use it twice a day. I know that you do recommend that. Um, and as well as that, uh, the problem over here at the minute is the leisure centres are sort of closing down, so it's hard to get into, you know, jacuzzi sauna. So I'm just going to rely on that and cold therapy as much as I can, getting into the sea um, as much mm. as I can. And a big one I've noticed, I read up on a couple of, not Matt Fraser, but Justin Medeiros is one of the top games athletes at the minute. He's just getting to bed earlier in the evenings, you know, making mm. sure he's at bed at half nine at night. And mm. lo and behold, he's uh, sitting third in the world at the moment. So. That's, that's huge. Sleep is massive. Yeah. And it's, it's so easy for us, you know, we're all entrepreneurs here. We're all, you know, doing what we can to kind of get our heads above water. And it's so tempting to be like, oh, I'll just work a couple of extra hours tonight, get this paperwork done, you know, and oh, I'll be okay tomorrow, you know, a couple of extra coffees. <laughs> but what's, what, we're, what we're really passionate about spreading right now is that you need to have that sleep. And the earlier you can get to bed, the better, because then that healing and recovery can start at like 8.39 p.m. while you're in bed. And you get that, that whole night of that, those recovery benefits. Because if you get into bed at 11 p.m. or midnight, you've missed the, the, the first portion of the night where you could have got that extra healing benefits. And you're going to notice it the next day, maybe. But within a week of sleeping like that, within two weeks of sleeping like that, like your performance is just going to absolutely tank. So that, um, that nighttime routine, that sleep hygiene, and that commitment to sleep is is absolutely vital and you know in my opinion it's worth it's worth sacrificing an extra couple of hours on the emails it's worth sacrificing your you know your, your netflix habit or whatever it is mm. it's definitely you know worth worth cutting that especially with like you if you've got some real hard goals and you need that you know you need every benefit you can get sleep's a huge one man yeah, sleep's a huge one absolutely so, so i guess on that note um do you have an evening routine before you go to bed or are there any things you're doing to make sure you, you do get good quality sleep? Yeah, at the minute, it's 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 tough going because um, my last hour in the gym is usually the 7.30 p.m. cutoff point for classes. So I'm really only getting home at 8.30 and getting my last bit of food into me. So naturally, you're going to want to unwind a bit and watch a bit of TV. And as you say, that Netflix mm. habit, the, the the goal should be to watch one episode of whatever and then be in bed for 10 p.m but you know that that's it's just getting getting there that wee bit earlier because i don't get the benefits mm. of um lying in in the mornings i'm usually up at six um or slightly earlier so um it's gonna have to be at night time or um you know just that one even a wee half hour of unwinding does help you sleep a bit better too i find it hard to go straight mm. to bed after a day's work you know definitely especially after 100%. eating you've got to let your digestive system sort of you know do its job settle down and that that does take a couple of hours and mm. your body's not going to go into a deep sleep and get the restorative benefits until all that's happened mm. anyway so it does make yeah. sense to at least have a couple of hours um yeah. before hitting the hay i mean the the first thing i would say there and like this is just my opinion it's you know obviously it's none of my business your training routine but I would, I, would, I would certainly try and have that last meal a little bit earlier. You know, I don't know if it's possible for you to, to get a big feed in before that last class. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it kind of, you know, I oh, know you need to hit your calories, you need to hit your macros, but it's, it's, you can give yourself a massive advantage that when you get home at 8.30 p.m., there's no more food. 
you know, you might be a little bit hungry and be, fuck, man, I really want that snack. But in terms of your sleep benefits, like, oh, my God, because like James said, then and if you get to bed at that 10 p.m., you're already, you know, since your last meal, you're already three or four hours away from it. That means as soon as your head hits the pillow, the healing and recovery starts because it can't start until the digestion of the last meal is done. Oh, okay. So that could, that, Actually, that could be that. a real... I wasn't aware of that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the longer your, your gap between your last meal and your bedtime, the better. You know, so I go to sleep. I'm in a bit of a, a weird situation. I go to sleep like, man, I get into bed 8 p.m. 8 p.m., all the lights are off, all the Netflix is over, and I'm, you know, I might not be going to sleep, but I'll be listening to maybe an audio book or something like that, something very relaxing. But my last meal is usually 4 p.m., 4.30 p.m., you know, so I have a, a very late lunch and then a long gap between. Sometimes I go to bed hungry. You know, sometimes I'm thinking like, shit, yeah. man, you know, another piece of another piece of steak would be amazing. But <laughs> that's a massive, massive um, uh, advantage. You could you could, you know, try it mm -hmm. and see, you know, I, I bet your sleep is going to go way up. I'm not sure if you're you're, tra you're tracking your your sleep performance. But just have, going to sleep on an empty stomach can bring massive benefits. And all it needs is to whoop, shift that last meal a little bit earlier in the day. Funny you mentioned that. I am wearing the whoop strap at the minute to try and track the recovery. Mm. I don't know what you guys think of it. But, yeah, it seems to be a pretty good job. It uh, gives you plenty of data. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, sorry, James, just like like look at your look at your I mean, I don't know if your sleep is like kind of is it the same every night are you noticing the numbers do they change much they do sometimes yeah like it, so if i go to bed later at 11 um or you know get less sleep than normal some days i will get a full eight hours most of the time it's usually six or seven hours so it's getting it up over yet really that i need to be doing mm. Mm. do you look at the breakdown of the sleep as well your deep sleep rem sleep um obviously the whoop straps top-notch for tracking sleep as well as your activity so are you actually looking at that data and over time seeing if things things you know any trend happens with changes yeah um i have noticed like you know by looking at that app whether you've had a good night's sleep sleep or not so whenever you're waking up you're feeling energized mm. and you're feeling good and you check that REM or that deep sleep and you can see that it's a little bit more than normal you can nearly tell already before you even open the app whether you've been disturbed throughout the night or not. So it is like yeah. nearly just telling you what you already know, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like It's like a confirmation. But what I would say as well, is I just thought of another tip there. <laughs> just, sorry, I'm like, I'm giving you a breakdown of, of what I think you should do. Um, I definitely, it's amazing that you've got the whoop strap because if you, if you decide to change anything, if you decide to change your meal time and start going to bed on an empty stomach, I can almost guarantee you're going to see an increase in your deep sleep and an increase in your REM sleep. And another thing I would suggest is, especially because it's coming into winter there in Europe, is take a cold shower before bed. You know, so once all your, all your chores are done, everything's done. I know it sucks to think of taking a cold shower before bed, especially in, in Europe. But um, what I do to make it easier, so I, you know, I got my Spotify playlist. I set a timer. All right, so I jump in, I have a hot shower. You know, you want to enjoy yourself. You want to have a good wash. I have a, a five and a half minute hot shower. And I have an interval timer. And then it clicks over to my cold shower, which is three and a half minutes. And I put on my favorite playlist, you know, so that I can listen to a couple of good songs while I'm in, the, in that fucking freezing cold shower. But then if you jump straight into bed after that, again, you're going to see your deep sleep go through the roof because your body's freezing cold. 
it's empty it's got no food so or, you know your, your core temperature has to drop before you can drop into deep sleep so if you're if you're too warm at night you're not going to get deep down into those those depths of deep sleep that you need so empty stomach <coughs> grab a cold shower right before bed and then blue blocking that's another massive like easy win you can have we'll send you some blue blockers we've got some amazing ones that have just come out you pop those on you know just after you finish your last training session you start blocking that blue light empty stomach cold shower i think your sleep gains are going to go through the roof and i think that'll that'll reflect in your performance the next day i'm super confident in that sweet i'll definitely give that a go boys sounds good mm. absolutely worth it there's a lot there, a lot going on. Yeah, these are, these are the pros in this area. I mean, and, and you know what else as well is, is fucking huge, which is going gonna, is gonna to sound crazy as well. Scrotal cooling. Okay. <laughs> Basically, that means p- putting an ice pack on your nuts. Oh, that's going to okay. be a tough one. The missus will be asking questions. <laughs> well, you just tell her, look, my, my sperm count's going to go up. My sperm motility is going to go up. And most likely my testosterone. And if you get that testosterone elevated, everything gets better including your performance and it can be something as simple as when you're taking your cold shower what i do this is this is a a lot of information for our listeners i hope they appreciate this (laughs) but when you're taking your cold shower i literally stand with like the cold water on my chest so it runs down and then i cup my balls so that my hands fill up with this ice cold water as well so my testicles are literally floating around in in cold water (laughs) one one minute (laughs) one minute 20 or something telling you man i'd be lucky if it lasted five your... seconds oh. well it starts slow start slow you know because you know the cold tolerance it does take a lot so that's a great point if you can't have a full three minutes in the cold shower 30 seconds 40 seconds up to one minute it gives you an opportunity to practice your breathing exercises maybe a meditation mm-hmm. you know it's, it's these kind of things that like you can tell like james and i are so passionate about this and for someone like you that's like you know, is your performance, uh, you know, swings in the balance on how well you, you're looking after your recovery, man, you know, mm-hmm. I think you could see some, some big gains and it's easy wins, man. And that's all free stuff you can do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great that you've got the whoop, whoop strap as well, because again, you need to quantify this. Is it working for you? And so I wouldn't change everything at once because you won't know what actually what actual strategy works for you so the first thing you can do is try shifting your meal time forward do it for a week what's your whoop strap saying in terms of your deep sleep and REM sleep are you going to sleep quicker your latency and then obviously you can think about your cold showers as Brian said start 20-30 seconds and again quite quickly you can work your way up to that two three minute mark Um, again this is not mandatory, but if you fancy giving it a go and, and then after that, you know, we'll get you some glasses, try the blue blockers. We'll tell you how the best time to use them. Even when you're doing that evening gym session, normally gyms have a lot of blue lights. Um, you're obviously lighting the whole gym up so you can see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got special lenses designed for, for blocking out, you know, basically junk light yeah. um, during the day. And so you can wear them in the gym environment while you're taking your class. It just tells your body that the, the blue light is suppressing. It means that the sun is setting. Your body should start to wind down a little bit and start getting that natural hormone production ready for the evening. Mm-hmm. And then when you get home, and, you know, if you have your meal earlier or you have your meal when you get home, you can put on red lenses that b- block 
100% of blue light and green light, which both disrupt melatonin production. And by blocking that, you can still watch a little bit of TV, play on your phone if you want. And then when you go to bed, your body actually has been told it's nighttime. You're going to be ready for that deep sleep. And, and for me, the biggest game changer for my sleep were the glasses. I used to be a poor sleeper. Yeah. And now I'm an absolute, like I'm, I'm a sleep ninja. I just go to sleep straight away and um, I get pretty good stats um, until I had a baby. And then all of a sudden it's all, mm. everything's, uh, it's the wild west at night here. But it's, uh... <laughs> can't block exactly. that no, it's, it's exactly. frowned upon if you block that <laughs> yeah. baby, baby blockers, get the oh, baby blockers on. Um, um, another thing, mate, sorry, sorry to inundate you with, with tips, but I just realized um, salt is really important. It's really important as part of your diet, a really good quality salt. I know Ireland has no shortage of decent salt, um, but it's also, it can be very interesting. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to suggest that you, you try and play with this as well. Is taking a, you know, half a teaspoon of salt, half an hour before a workout, you know, yeah. just literally half a teaspoon ooh, in your gob, throw down some water because the salt is full of electrolytes and minerals and the electrolytes and the minerals are crucial with energy transfer between the cells. You know, so if you're going to contract the muscle, it's, it's the energy transfer between those cells that's helping the muscle contract. Mm -hmm. So if you flood your body with electrolytes and minerals just before a workout, you get that, you, you'll get that increase in performance um, as well. Yeah. So it's definitely something to bear in mind. And um, we'll send you some blue blockers and we'll talk you through the blue blockers, but we'll also send you some salt that we recommend. It's incredibly high quality salt yeah. Um, and you know, throw that on your on your Slim's healthy kitchen meals, and then you know, throw that in a in a in a glass of water, and just yeah. neck it a couple times a day. I've I've heard of the salts before, yeah, definitely. I'll give that a go. We would, I would sometimes use that Himalayan salt in foods. You know, just your basic salt isn't probably great to be doing too much with, but yeah, that mm. natural salts definitely. Mm. Like the Himalayan salts, bang on. It's absolutely perfect. You know, as long as you got a a legitimate source because the himalaya can be a little bit you know they can sometimes they they get they send you some shitty salt and they just kind of color it pink and they call it himalayan pink salt yeah um Good. that's awesome mate that's fantastic brilliant fantastic. so i think we're coming to the end of the podcast now we normally have um a few quick fire questions that brian leads um so be prepared brian do you want to <laughs> take the lead yes absolutely mate it's um just kind of quick fire questions nothing to you know, get too involved with, but um, if you could go back, you know, let's say to your, your teenage years, what's the best advice you would give yourself as a youngster? Mm, don't worry what other people think of you. That's a great one. Good advice. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And your favorite book or a book that's had the biggest impact on your life? Oh, that's a good one. I'm not a big book re reader, believe it or not. Um, yeah, to be honest, I really, I really don't read too many books, lads. Um, I'm more of like more for motivation for me would be more so along the lines of the MJ documentary that came out there on Netflix not too long ago. That was a big one for me. Um, so we'll just pretend that's a book. Yeah, we'll, we'll say we Michael, Michael, Michael Jordan's life story. How about that? <laughs> awesome. And then um, your favorite bit of tech that you might be using right now. You don't have to say red light therapy device, but 
if you've got some interesting bit of technology that you're using in your life? Yeah, well, pr- pretty much between it, it and the Whoop. Um, I'm a big fan of my Garmin wa- Phoenix 5 watch. Um, it's great for tracking loads of different things, uh, running. It's got a great wee GPS setup on it and just tracking your heart rates. Um, and MyZone. MyZone's probably up there as well. Do you ever compare the stats that your Garmin is giving you to compare to what your Whoop is giving you? Yeah, um, heart rate wise, I, I believe the Garmin is a wee bit more accurate, but that's because the heart rate monitor is placed right on your chest, whatever I'm doing it. Um, I don't know, sometimes whenever you're tra- tracking heart rate just from the wrist during them high intensity workouts, it maybe doesn't pick up exact figures, but whenever you you have the chest strap on, you know exactly if you're sitting at a 175, 180 heart rate, it's bang on, you know. Hmm. And what about sleep? I think the Garmin watch also tracks sleep, doesn't it? Yeah, it probably doesn't go into as much detail in the sleep. Uh, well, my Garmin doesn't go into as much de- detail in the sleep as the Whoop does. Okay. Um, it's a wee bit easier to read. And obviously the Whoop gives you a percentage of your recovery, which mm. I really like that feature as well, you know. Mm. Cool. That's a lot there. And then um, have you got a, a favorite hack or a favorite habit? that you're using for your performance and recovery right now? I know we've kind of touched on it anyway, but. The f- favorite hack for me of all times is the Nutribullet. Ah, that's a great one. What do you use that for? Uh, everything. Like I, if you've seen the color of my shakes in the morning, you probably would not go near them. Like there's no fancy colors. It's nearly gray because I'm blending that yeah. many things. <laughs> I used to be the same. I was going to say like my, my smoothies used to be brown, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, hey, I know it looks like sewage, but it's, it's got bananas and kales and, and cacao and all that stuff in it too. Definitely. Awesome. That, that's all from me right now. <clears throat> Is that all from James, I think? That is all. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, lads. Awesome, Mickey. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Cheers, lads. Anytime. Anytime. I'll hopefully see you or talk to you again soon then. Sounds awesome. great. Thanks a lot, Mickey. Cheers, boys. All the best.